Get ready for a journey into the heart of Bridgeport politics with In Absentia, a new podcast from Connecticut Public's investigative team, The Accountability Project. Learn about the city's past and present political dysfunction and the systems that enable it. Tune in wherever you get your podcasts. Funding provided by Gregory Melville and Susan Fox and Kathleen Bromage. Faith Middleton here with your welcome toast. It was Irina Chalmers who says about shrimp, cold and stiff with disdain, they allow themselves to be dunked into countless gallons of red sauce, so staggeringly powerful that nobody notices that they are completely tasteless. I got that sunshine in my pocket, got that good soul in my feet, I feel that hot blood in my body when it drops. It's great to have you joining the party on the Faith Middleton Food Schmooze, inviting you to eat, drink, and be merry with us. The new year is almost here, so we have a fun show for you. You know how every year there seems to be a color of the year? That's what made me buy a bright orange car. <laughs> um, it reminds me of lifeguards on the beach, actually. Well, food has a trend line, too. It reflects the national mood, our changing values, and also what editors think they can sell, what they can do to seem new. So we're going to tell you what the trends are supposed to be in 2019. We're going to open with that. And we'll get into figuring out what to eat and drink on New Year's Eve. I'm with my food buddies, senior producer Robin Doyen-Aiken, and senior contributors Chris Prosperi and Mark Raymond. Hey, everybody. Hey. Hey, hey Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. We're at the Big G in downtown New Haven, sipping Prosecco, that's Gateway Community College, where we share five giant professional kitchens with the culinary education program here at the Big G. It's a fantastic place to be. Cheers, everybody. This is that Romeo and Juliet Prosecco. Cheers. Cheers, everybody. Cheers, Robin. Cheers. Mm. Mm. Okay. Let's start with food trends. Chris, uh, let me start with you. All right. I have one because I've been watching menus and seeing things like kale kind of came in. I see that one sort of fading out. And I see the next big one. And this one's been bubbling up for a couple of years now. And I think next year is going to peak. It's cauliflower. Really? I'm yeah. seeing it everywhere. Mm. We even have a waffle on the menu at Metro B's, which yes, is a you cauliflower do. waffle that I got it's from delicious. Bruce and Mark. We've done cauliflower many times yeah. on the show this mm-hmm. year. The last time I think I was talking about putting anchovies and olive oil on a cauliflower. Oh, that's that, that actually, you know who that was? I got that idea from Melissa Clark in the New York Times yeah. to give her full credit. And then I have one more, and this is, again, I'm playing around with it at home, is fermenting. Because I started making cabbage, right, sauerkraut at the restaurant, and now we're fermenting so many things, and I'm even making my own fermented mustard now. Just mustard seeds, water, a little salt, you let it sit on a shelf, you shake it a couple times. And it's it that get, simple? It, and, it, and I'm telling you, it gets better the longer it sits. Come on. Yeah, it's so good. Fermented mustard. I can make mustard. my own mustard? No, no, no. Not just mustard, but fermented mustard. It's different than regular mustard because it usually has vinegars in it. And stuff. This is acidified by just being fermented. I'm so Are you saying right it had, it's a prebiotic or yeah. a probiotic? There are different types of fermentation. Have... And this goes into the one like sauerkraut or kimchi, okay. right? Let me just mm. tell you how on trend you are. We go deep into the internet machine and we look at all kinds of trade sites and forming 
restaurants and taking information from restaurants and the whole food industry, the wine industry, and they come up with these trends and they talk to technology companies. So we've got a whole pile of stuff. This first one is from Whole Foods Markets. Chris, with regard to your fermenting, they're interested in shelf-stable probiotics. They were predicting last year that everything was going to start to be pickled, right? Right. So now they're saying in this next year, expect even more innovative probiotic integration in food. And they don't mean just in the refrigerator section. They want shelf-stable probiotics. Mm -hmm. I don't understand understand how that works. But then when you think about it, probiotics like the pills, Align and all that, those are Mm -hmm. shelf stable. Mm -hmm. So, and they're supposed to be live cultures. Many people go to health food stores to get something that's refrigerated and seems more real. Yeah. So I I don't know how it's going to work. Interesting to see, though. But they're going to make bars, granolas, Mm -hmm. uh, skincare products, Mm -hmm. shakes, cleaning products are all going to supposedly have probiotics. I tried. Wow. Yeah. I tried fermenting blueberries, and I'm telling you, they were amazing. I bought the live bacteria and put it in there and let it sit. So sometimes you can just let it sit in the natural bacteria in the air, like with sauerkraut and the mustard I do. And sometimes you buy a culture. So it's one or the other. But I'm telling you, these blueberries are like nothing you've ever tasted before. Does it end up being like a savory compote almost, Chris? Yeah, almost, yeah. Okay, now I can... A little sweet sour, right? That's the thing. You get this unami, that fifth flavor that some say we have. You do get that savoriness, that deliciousness Mm. in this fermented blueberry like I've never tasted anything else before. Mushrooms, too. We've done fermented mushrooms now, too. So, yeah, look for fermented stuff. You'll see a lot, I think, next year. You sure you're not just making alcohol. I'm leaning up to it, aren't I? Yeah, you are. (laughs) Um, Beer time. So here's some more. Pacific Rim flavors are going to supposedly be big. All the caucuses in Russia are going to be big in terms of dishes in restaurants. Mm. All this stuff about the keto diet, paleo, grain-free, pagan, which is paleo and vegan. Boy, oh boy. Um, Somebody's working hard there. A ton of, this is just the whole foods forecast, a ton of hemp products. We're already seeing that. Yeah. Yeah, what's it, the oil, (laughs) CBD oil or whatever it is? Exactly. Hemp oils and everything. So in some states, that oil will contain things that make you actually high. And in other states, or because people don't want to have anything to do with that, they Mm -hmm. just want the health benefits of the the oil. Anti-inflammatory. So they say. So you'll see two kinds of things depending on where you live probably. Now, moving on to a place online called Gourmet Insider, they have a culinary visions panel and they've come out with their 2019 forecast in terms of trends. It isn't about specific products as much as it's about our cultural values and how we all want that reflected in things. Right. So do you sense that? I mean, for instance, Mark, you know how we're always pushing wholesomely made wines? Yes, yes. That's our thing. Are you finding that the consumer is more interested, say, in how the grapes are grown, whether it's organic? People don't really ask about biodynamic. A lot of people don't really understand that. But they ask if it's organic or sustainable farming, which 
I think a lot of wineries around the world are heading towards. Mm -hmm. According to Gourmet Insider and the panel, consumers want to get more out of their meals, not just function, not just fuel, but they're interested in how these individual foods affect the body, meaning individual parts of the body. I'm not going to have this because it's good for my brain. I'm going to have this because it's good for my gut. Right. This is good for my arthritis. So right. we're seeing pharmaceutical eating. Yeah. Yeah. I remember someone a long time ago from San Francisco, I'm talking at least 25 years ago, who said to me, you know what's next, don't you? Pharmaceutical eating, it's all going to be about that. Mm, and I, I totally thought, oh, how that. interesting. And yeah. wow, was she right. Yeah. I also see like food as a, almost like an individual thing too, really finding out what works for you instead of going with trends or, right, oh, we should eat less of this and more of that. Really start listening to your bodies. I mean, there's even companies I worked with one years ago that do personalized dieting, you know, and oh, that's yeah. just how you process different fats. Each individual person, depending on your genetics, how you process the different things. So I have two family members that are actually working with, I guess, a dietitian. They actually do blood research. Sure. They do blood work to understand all your food allergies, to yeah. see what works with your system, what you may be retaining, you know, what your body gets rid of quickly. It's really interesting. And we're also different. You know, I yeah. could eat a eight ounce cheeseburger and you could eat an eight ounce cheeseburger. That could make my cholesterol go up and yours doesn't get affected at all. Right. And it's the same exact cheeseburger that we just ate. It's just our bodies process fats differently. And it really does have to do with our genetics. So here's what we're doing on the show. Food trends. What's coming in 2019 and beyond? We kind of have done this every single year. I figured this low calorie eating, people's concerns about their weight would be what they always are. You see Oprah Winfrey working and buying, in fact, Weight Watchers, yeah. major, major investments there, because she and her forecasters are telling her that's never going to go away. Well, it turns out that this Visions panel insists that in 2019, the majority of consumers are limiting the foods they eat. They don't want to just avoid them completely. They want to limit them. So people are clued into the idea that if you start with this punitive way, which is I'm not having that at all. I'm not talking about people with kidney stones or have to eat low oxalate or something like that. I'm talking about people who say, I'm just never going to have that again. And I'm, ne I'm not going to have this and I'm not going to have that. And it, it ends up catching up with you because right. the brain wants it. Um, and you just make yourself miserable. Yeah. So they're saying we're very interested in plant-based foods, but we still want to hang on to our meats. Yeah. I'm not giving up bacon. So that, okay. <laughs> No so way. No chance. Um, how about ethics? Turns out in food, really big, people are very concerned about a carbon footprint. Hmm. They care about how things are packaged. And you know, this year... I've been more concerned about that than ever. I'm limiting every way I can the plastics. The Restaurants getting rid of straws. Yeah, I don't know what's going on with the straws. You know, I mean, yeah. straws are a problem, but there's so many other things when you look at the plastic island but in the ocean. It's, it's starting, right? Yeah, yeah. it's. Huh? I know, but isn't it weird that it's straws only? I don't. I don't really understand. What about health? 
consumers, it turns out, when you talk to the vision panel about the coming year, they want access to healthy foods now yeah. all yeah. the time. All the time. They don't say, I want to go to a health food restaurant tonight no. or today or a few times a week. They want access on a menu to what they consider healthy things all the time. So this is where fast food places, sure. restaurants, you have grocery and, stores. And they don't just mean a salad. Yeah. yeah. No, Chipotle's is a good example of the popularity, right, of that kind of eating. Sure. Much healthier fast food option than a lot, and they can you can take it right down to just getting a bowl of rice or having just the condiments, right, with a little or just chicken. the vegetables. Yeah, yeah. 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 So, Healthy options and fast food is really a big trend. Yeah. I'm in New York City and walking down the street, and there's this place. And it's very cool looking. It's packed with people. And they're in line like a cafeteria with trays going down. It's called Sweet Greens. And I look up at it and I think, what's going on in here? It happens to be lunchtime. So I go in, I look up at the menu, which is on boards across the room. Very unusual menu. And one of the items on it is called the Dan Barber. Now, we know sure, from Stone Barnes, the chef, Barnes, the chef he's, I, I think Bill. he's genius idol and... I just like the guy, and he's very interested in what he's growing and how it's done and all this stuff. So I say, what's the Dan Barber to her? And she said, oh, that's some kind of squash, and I think it's African in its roots, and he probably started growing this. He's very interested, and I I don't know this for a fact. And it has this slightly kind of cheesy, yogurty sauce on it butternut squash and everything is in this bowl and i said i'll try that it was delicious absolutely so thank you dan barber (laughs) thank you sweet greens yeah um all right let me do a really fast since we're doing these trends Mm -hmm. let me just add as i went everywhere in search of the stuff here's the list that i came up with Donuts are still huge, crazy flavors. <laughs> Who doesn't love donuts? I know. Love donuts. Uh, globally inspired breakfasts in particular. So oh. the Japanese breakfast, which yeah. I love, it involves oh, I don't fish think it and that. broth and yeah, it's it's delicious. Israeli lunch or dinner, Australian breakfast, all these different things. Dan Barber, he started Row 7 Seed Company. He's working directly with farmers. Very and cool. they, they taste, they test, they market new seed varieties. That's awesome. And this is for restaurant chefs. And hummus is still going to be big, but even wilder flavors than we're seeing it right now. I agree. In 2019. I saw a chocolate hummus at Stop and Shop. Yep. Oh, okay. I also saw sriracha hummus at Stop and Shop. Do you know we what's have... coming? <laughs> Snickerdoodle hummus. Oh my gosh. I'm just telling right. you. Right, Hold it. on tight. Okay. They're going to do clarified cocktails. These are cocktails made in a centrifuge. <laughs> Special bar equipment, it anyone? It removes all the cloudiness from the drink, but the flavors uh, remain. All and right. I think, why? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, it's I like the cloudiness. It's just fun. So pasta bread, they're all going to be heritage yep. grains. A lot of restaurants, probably for economic reasons, Chris, are going lunchtime counter service. Oh, love. Great idea. Nighttime table, table service. service. That's a great mm. idea. Isn't that good? Mm-hmm. People don't have time for lunch like they used to. And in and out. 
it's too expensive for the restaurants now. Yeah. Everything, mm-hmm. The price of everything oh, has gone up. We want yeah. you to stay, mm. all of you. So I think we'd all be willing to make that compromise. It's kind of fun and social. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, entertainment is entering the scene in 2019 in restaurants, like roaming magicians. I was going to say, like, the what's the guy with the guitar in the Mexican restaurant? <laughs> Fortune mariachi, tellers. The mariachi band. You're supposed to keep people there. <laughs> Fortune tellers. I thought you were supposed to get us out of the chairs, but no. <laughs> now you're supposed to stay, stay and drink. I think. Wild, wild plateware. Very crazy, crazy. You know, like cocktails are going to be served in light bulbs. They're doing that now in New York City. Light bulbs? Um, Milk cartons. They're serving cocktails in sawed-off milk cartons. Um, Somebody (laughs) is doing breakfast in a shovel. Wow. How is ah. that going to Instagram? <laughs> only I could time see it will tell. Oh, I think I've seen that. <laughs> Little I'm greens, just... like pea shoots wait, on the top. Wait, you lost me okay. on that one. Did you say? Don't even ask. Br- okay, I'm okay. moving on. On a shovel. <laughs> um, special Spotify playlists in the restaurant oh, yes, that, that you I've can get, yep. get your hands I've on. Seen um, cannabis and everything, we know that. Yep. There's a big lab that plans to introduce a cell-grown chicken see, we were talking from... About that. A plant-based source, and they're going to sell it at Kentucky Fried Chicken. I want to try that. <laughs> it might be the healthiest thing there. <laughs> <laughs> I like their don't mashed not. potatoes. Okay. I love Kentucky I like, Fried and Chicken. And I like their okay. mashed potatoes. Extra don't crispy. Tell, don't tell Brian and the gang, but robots are starting to be used big time in kitchens in 2019. Yeah. Um, I so I would say yeah. get thee to your favorite human pizza place. That's yeah. what I would tell yeah. you. Yeah, MIT has an all-robot restaurant. Okay. Nope. And in even fancier restaurants in 2019 mm-hmm. are deciding to go counter service. You go and pick up the food, and then you sit down in your lavish setting. Wow. And they're going to charge you more. That's how it's going to go. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Oh, wait a minute. Poke oh, bowls. I love that. Love poke bowls. We do you one on New Year's Eve every that. year. Here's I love Here's the it. thing. I like them too, but you have to think – where this is like going to a sushi place and they say sushi on sale. You know, oh, you, yeah. you you really should feel nervous. Watch where you so, eat. Like in my place, we there are like these sometimes these chains where I mm-hmm. think I don't know how old that tuna is. There are tea bars starting in Britain, not like the old fashioned tea parlor with the beautiful yeah. china and all that. Yeah. These are very cool bars in wow. Britain. And very health-oriented, special green teas from all like over that. the world. Mm-hmm. Yep. Probably smell phenomenal. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Walk Love in the door. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. There's a whole trend in 2019 of hyper-local, they call it. Remember, it used to be, you know, eat within 100 miles. Now places like um, the famous Noma restaurant in Denmark. Love that place. Um, the new trend is you have to eat. Well, it became within 50 miles, mm-hmm. and now his thing is you have to eat within walking distance of the restaurant. I burst out laughing when I saw that. I, <laughs> what, thought, I mean, what do you got? Yeah. How about farm on the table? You know, the where farm it's like on the table. Yeah, you like you have like a little window box. Dirt. And it's like the, you just oh, and just pull the carrot something. out. You got a bucket with water. Oh, by the way, you here's your it. shovel. Yeah, there's what's where the shovel comes in. We, you, you know can what? Dig no, no, your no, own vegetables. You got to push it out far so you can get a consensus. <laughs> so this is pushing it out. Here's far, the sink. You got to you got to take. You got to do your own prep work. Yep. Yep. We're, you don't even have to go to the kitchen. You're yep. going to eat in the yep. kitchen. <laughs> wait a minute. Yeah, yep. wait. They already Forget did about that. Home. How, and they're wait, charging not, me wait, for that. Not counter service, kitchen service. You have to actually go mean? in and cook They've it. Already... You have oh. to go in and cook it, too. I, wouldn't some people would pay big money to do that, mister? Oh, yeah. I know. 
Yes. Can I get a coaching? Double. Can I get a coaching over here, please? Yeah. Oh yeah, we could have coaches standing by, like a little more oil. Oh my god, I see it. Yeah. Oh, I see it. Very funny oh, episode. Yeah. I love Lucy. Here we come. Oh, oh my goodness. Okay. There Happy New Year. My lunch just went from a 15-minute lunch to a hour and a half lunch because I got to make my own food. Yep. It's okay. <laughs> okay. Now, world flavors. We're going to get into that here as we do our trends. 2019, what's going on? And I have a box because I just tried this product. Chris, you're going to be especially interested in this. And after trends, we're going to talk about what to make on New Year's Eve or New Year's Day. What are you thinking about? More mouth-watering conversation and fun ahead on the Faith Middleton Food Schmooze. I hope you will make a charitable contribution to Feed the Hungry. More trends coming up. We're online now at foodschmooze.org, and we'll be right back. Cornbread said, now that's all right. Bean. Meet me on the corner tomorrow night. Bean. I'll be ready. I'll be ready tomorrow night. I'll be ready. I'll be ready tomorrow night. I'll be ready. I'll be ready tomorrow night. That's what Bean said to Cornbread. I'm Faith Middleton. Sign up for our free podcast or a copy of the show that arrives in your inbox every single week. You just go once to foodschmooze.org. You'll see the podcast sign up, fill out the few boxes, and you're good to go. You don't have to do another thing, and you can listen on your schedule. I'm with my treasured food buddies, Chris Prosperi, chef and co-owner of Metro Beast Restaurant in Simsbury, Connecticut. Mark Raymond, our wine guy, and our senior producer, Robin Doyen Aiken. So here is the trends for 2019 where we see based on all these visionary panels the new word visionary mm. um these panels are predicting what's going on after talking to people across industries they can kind of tell and often they're right so we just find it interesting to see this summed up and this is to me the year of healthful eating and eating with a conscience so here are a couple things while I'm researching online that I come across. There was an article in the New York Times about a woman who, honestly, I was reading and my mouth was actually hanging open. Her name is Courtney Dowalter, and she specializes, according to the Times, in, I'm quoting, extremely long races. What she does is starts running at 1.40 in the morning, and she runs near Lake Tahoe in this particular instance, and she starts hallucinating because she hasn't slept, and she is 165 miles into what she is going to run, which is a straight 205-mile race through the mountains, 
This is this new kind of endurance ultramarathon running. How many miles? 205 miles on this one. She intends to go past 300. But in any case, I'm going along with this story. Yeah. And I see what she's eating or trying to eat. She, yeah. You know, it's very hard for her to eat. But she and these others who do these ultra-endurance marathons, they have to keep so hydrated, so Man. they have to eat all this fat and, and all these carbs. protein, too. Well, so it says in the story, one of the things she eats, honey stinger waffles. I've never seen those three words together. Does anybody? No. Is it a product? I have no idea. Right. Is so I look it up. Yeah. And if you go online... Yeah. This is where the industry said, wow, all these ultra, there are a lot of people doing these ultra marathons yeah. of hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of miles, and they do this, you know, special yeah. eating. And so honey stinger waffles have become a thing. And it's waffles that are sandwiched with something like honey. Yeah, sure. And Sweet. it might be a little bit of hot pepper or yeah. something. And so they call them honey stinger waffles because whatever you're ingesting fast has to be high carb. Yeah. It has to have a healthful sugar yeah, source honey. in it. Obviously then carbs, yeah. so, you know, all the way. And so the industry has stepped up and I think it's extremely profitable and you can go online. And, and so now regular these. athletes have to think I have to have my honey stinger waffles wow. <laughs> because they somehow imagine. So you see how all this yeah. health stuff, people's Exercise. ideas about what they need in terms of their identity is popping up. It's honey crazy. stinger waffles. I'm going to look it up. I'm going to um, just see. I'm going to order some. Then I'm going to run. Oh, very yeah, no, far. No, I'm not going to do oh, the no. running. I'm just going to order. Them. I'm just trying to think how we can mul- multiple use these people that are running for 200 miles. Like, yeah. can we give them mail <laughs> stuff that they can carry with them to take to the next <laughs> yeah. town they're running to? So delivery. maybe the mail people won't uh, have to work so hard. Amazon or? delivery. Yeah. I mean, think of what we could there's do. Deliver waffles. S- there's got to be some sort of multi-purpose we could use. <laughs> yeah, I'll deliver honey stinger waffles to your house. Um, <laughs> Okay. I just looked them up. They're in individual packs, too. So while you're running, you can just zip it open and eat them. That's it. Okay. So all this stuff going on about world flavors, of course, this has been going on for quite a long time. But now we're moving into, remember I said the the Caucasus of Russia seems to be, you'll see, I'm seeing that pop up on menus. What is Russian food? I only know Moscow mules. Mm, borscht. <laughs> that's, that's where my knowledge of Russian food is. How about borscht? Come on, on the right show. Borscht. <laughs> um, borscht. So, yeah, there is borscht. There are things like, I was thinking the last Russian thing I saw was a kind of deep-fried bread-like product that had an egg cooked and sitting on the top and a little bit of sauce. Mm, and so you delicious. know how Lithuanian, um, Polish food, it's very carb-centric. You figure people come from these cold, cold climates, right. and the food tends to be that way. Or they come from areas that have been historically poor, and this is what's around, and this is what grows. Mm-hmm. I can get flour. I can get eggs. And so that's wow. how these things come to be. And don't forget blinis. That's my favorite Russian Caviar. food. Uh-huh. Yeah, and the blinis. The blinis a Russian recipe. To go to this ethical eating, plant-based eating, these trends that we've been talking about run into each other and they overlap. And this is where entrepreneurs come in. So 
I decided to buy this. I'm showing. Here's the packaging. This is um, Beyond Meat. It's called the Beyond Burger. This is a plant-based burger patty. Supposedly has 20 grams of plant protein per serving. Soy-free, gluten-free. Well, I made these. Let me just see. These look like two burgers in this package. They were in the frozen section. I'm starting to see this stuff all Mm. over, this company all over the place. Yeah, I've recognized them. I looked up the ingredients. Each burger is four ounces, 270 calories. It's not bad. It's not bad, but it's not great. You think plant-based, mm. you know, you'd think it was about 150 calories. So that's a kind of mm. What are they putting in Low there? fat water, pea protein isolate, expeller press canola oil, refined coconut oil. It's kind of the jury's out on whether that's any good for you. 2% or less of the following, cellulose from bamboo, methyl cellulose, potato starch, natural flavor, I don't know what that means, malodextrin, yeast extract, salt, sunflower oil, vegetable glycerin, dried yeast, gum arabic, citrus extract, ascorbic acid, beet juice extract, for color, it says, acetic acid, succinic acid, modified food starch, and annatto for color. Sounds delicious. So, <laughs> yeah. I why? Why? Well, it sounds well, like something. I don't know. <laughs> sounds like something made in a lab. It's a I thing. I know. Well, How it is they? actually. When I took this out of the package... I went online to see if other people felt the way that I did. So this is just my take. A lot of other people online that I found seemed to like these much more than I did. I took these out of the package, and it was, to me, the foulest smell that I have smelled in my kitchen in a long time. And I actually thought, have these gone bad? Have these been in the store for like 300 years? Was there a power outage? I mean, I was really alarmed. So then I fried it, Mm -hmm. as I'm supposed to, a few minutes per side, uh, left it ever so slightly rare, and it does, in fact, bleed because of the beet Beet juice. juice. Right, right. It has these people in this lab have textured down it's a fabulous texture. Yep. The flavor was zero. I wouldn't even say not bad. I would say nothing. So I don't get this version, but maybe we're on the way. Maybe. But I would say yeah, make, bacon to it. make your own, <laughs> make your own vegetarian we, burger. We, I tasted the Impossible Burger. Do you know that one? That one's made with some genetically modified thing called heme, which is a soy protein grown on yeast. And it is the closest thing to meat Mm. I've ever had in my life, almost to the point where I never want to taste it again. Just tell me, are you talking about texture? Because this texture texture is great. Texture, 100% like beef. It Mm. bleeds, really does bleed like beef Mm -hmm. because of this genetically modified. flavor. It was like beef on steroids. It was like so beefy flavored. Really? That almost to the point where I didn't want to eat it because it was too freaky. It is called the Impossible you, Burger. Do, can you bu- sure restaurants serve it? Yeah, I know the Max uh, Max Burger. That's where I got it from. They had mm. it for a little while. I'm not wow. sure if they're still doing it. Restaurants are trying it. I think uh, Plan B might be playing around with it. A lot of restaurants are playing around with it, and it's 100 percent vegetarian. But like I said, it's genetically modified, though. So oh. there's a right. Uh. So here's this question. I remember Chris 
really so many years ago when sous vide Mm -hmm. was in like two kitchens where you're cooking your food in these plastic bags essentially in the lowest, lowest possible temperature Mm -hmm. and it comes out with the most exquisite texture Texture, and flavors, you know, yeah. But you had said to me way back then, we don't know what all these chemicals and this plastic is doing to the food and our bodies. Right. So I stayed away from it because of what Chris said. I still don't know the answer to that. They're getting, definitely there's estrogenic chemicals in plastic and they Mm -hmm. say it's really bad for people in childbearing years, men and women. Because that passes through you. And I don't know. The the risk, it's about, for me in cooking, it's risk versus reward. Like, okay, if it's a technique and it makes things so much better and there's very little risk, then I'm 100%. But when the risks to our health starts going up, even a little bit, then you have to start thinking, is it worth it? So I'm interested, Mark, in what's in this impossible burger. Genetically? It's a protein found on a root of a soybean that can't grow fast enough, so they genetically modified it to grow on yeast. So it grows faster so they can produce a lot of this. Well, that doesn't scare me because so many things are genetically modified already. Oh, that scares the heck out of me. Yeah, see, to me it's a question on is it worth it? Like do you need to have a veggie burger that tastes like beef? Most vegetarians – see, for you, but most vegetarians I know don't like the taste of meat, which is why they are vegetarians. They don't want their veggie burger to taste like a burger. (laughs) That's interesting. (laughs) So I don't know. I'm I'm not on either side of this, but I am risk versus reward kind of person. If you want to go totally crazy, they're still experimenting with hamburger that they're cloning. Mm-hmm. They're cloning chunks of beef. And I can't remember if they called it the two th- – it's so expensive now. It's like the $2,000 burger. But they have cloned a chuck from a cow. They cloned it. And they're saying it's better for the environment because you're – right? There's no methane. There's, the right? cows, yeah. yes. And these are grown in the labs. Land. Yeah. yeah. And these are grown in labs. But what is that? How wait does- a minute. Wait, wait, wait. Yeah. You can grow a slab of meat yeah. in a lab. Yeah. They have already. Oh, it's, thou- it's too expensive to put it into market yet. But then there's also the do we need to? Is our meat production that much offsetting gases to our environment to make global warming? I mean, there's so many questions that make it so difficult to answer. And my always go back do we need it? And is it good for us? Is right. meat grown in a lab, is that good for our bodies? And you won't know unless we eat it for a long time and they do tests. Well, I was thinking about Jose Andres and other people who do this kind of, I call it chemistry cooking, uh, Ferran Adria in Spain, mm-hmm. where they're doing using all kinds of techniques in the lab to make things. Remember Jose Andres did that margarita and it was just a ball yeah. on a spoon? Yeah. And right. you ate the ball and it, a margarita burst into your mouth from that little ball right, on that, right. on that mm-hmm. spoon. You know, he cares very much about people's health Mm -hmm. and is a magnificent chef, and he cares politically about feeding the planet and emergencies. And And, and let's congratulate him for up for a Nobel Prize. Yeah. so crazy. It's how they do it and where we place food Mm -hmm. in our culture. And don't you remember when Julia Child would say, I would talk with her, and she would say, we could say anything we want in the food world, but in the end, feeding hungry people— had to be the most important thing. And if we had to make compromises, 
to feed the world's hungry or starving people, we should be prepared to do it. Then genetic and modifying things, I'm good with growing do you agree food with in that? a lab. Yes. If okay. we have to grow food in a lab to do that, I'm 100% with her on that one. But she was always right, right? I don't know. <laughs> no. No? In, <laughs> no, this aspect, so. in, this, in this respect, she's right. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. So it's hard to stop talking about all this stuff, isn't yeah. it? All right. Do you have a prediction about what, well, what do you want to see? I, I mean, in my own personal life, I think I find myself feeling better when I don't eat so much. So this is why <laughs> people are ordering um, the food meal kits yes. coming in the mail. <laughs> yeah, they control. are portion control. Portion control. Yep. So that's speaking to a trend. Smaller plates, because that would help. Yeah, tapas. Smaller, pl- no, physical plates. Smaller physical plates. I've told this it story. Forces a hun- you to have I've told this a hundred times. My mom said when she first came to this country, they went out and bought dishes, right? And the salad plate, right? Our salad plate right now today is bigger than the entree plate she bought in her first set of dishes in the 60s. And, wow. th- that happened- and our portions grew with our plates. Oh, yeah. That happened to me, Chris, when I was ordering an old school French plate. I went online to see, it was kind of French bistro. It was a plate from Paris. Could I still get that? And it turns uh-huh. out, thanks to the internet, that I could. Mm-hmm. And so I kept staring at the page because they said dinner plate and salad plate. Okay. And I kept looking at this plate and thinking, well, that's a salad plate. And I kept yeah. looking online and it said in France, this was a dinner plate. Yeah. So yeah. there you go. Yeah. We love the local. And coming up, we're going to talk to you about ideas for making things on New Year's Eve, or maybe you're going out. What is it we want at this time of year? Please support your local food growers and food makers. We're always online at foodschmooze.org. And we'll be right back. the Fujmoose party offering the richness of life and coming to you in Connecticut, Rhode Island, Massachusetts, and New York, including Westchester County, the east end of Long Island that meets the Hamptons, too. The senior producer is Robin Doyen Aiken. I'm with Chris and Mark. To hear the show on Connecticut Public Radio, it airs Thursdays at 3 and 9 p.m. and Saturdays at noon. Podcasts and our curated recommendations are always online at Fujmoose schmooze.org. We're there waiting to make you happy. Okay, so what to eat on New Year's Eve? I spent nine hours, everybody, in segments going deeper and deeper into what Americans eat on New Year's Eve. And now I'm on the other side. And here's what I can tell you personally and professionally. And I want to hear from all of you. And I hope you're thinking about this as you listen. 
Food editors across the spectrum, are they're always trying to grab our attention. They're using traditional recipes, non-traditional global recipes this year especially. They're promoting small plate meals featuring lots of party appetizers, usually including shrimp. There's always shrimp. It's number one. Is it? Talk to any seafood guy or seafood store. Shrimp is number one for New Year's Eve. Here's the thing. Food editors know what's catnip to their audiences. You're hearing Chris. He knows what's catnip to us. Are we thinking of that ourselves? Do we just, as humans, we say, I must have shrimp? Or where'd that come from? Some kind of cocktail usually is what they're figuring out. A sparkler, meat, and for younger people, something plant-based with global flavors like Asian, Italian, Filipino. You're not going to sell a site saying, so what did you feel in the mood for when you got up this morning on New Year's (laughs) Eve? And then you just run out and buy those things if you can. And, uh, you know, throw them together. People can't do that in the professional world. They have to plan. They have to strategize. They have to please sponsors. So after my research, here's here's what it is for me personally. I can't tell you why. Chris, you were saying shrimp. Uh But I have tried to settle on something that would kind of represent all of us. And I couldn't do it because when it's this festive time of year, Something inside me turns to the same thing that I think, and especially this year, I think beef tenderloin. Wow. Ah. Now, why am I doing that? We've we've done videos for people. And we are going to post how to make that Mm. recipe, which was one of our most all-time great things. It was beef tenderloin sliced in quite nicely thick slabs, perfectly Mm. done. How to do that. It's simple. And then we made a red wine sauce. And we put each slice, this was a dream of mine, Mm -hmm. on a piece of puff pastry and then drizzled the sauce on it. So it was the easy Wellington, which has, you know, foie gras under there. And, you know, who needs to do all that? Provencal crusted, too. Oh, yeah. yeah, We had a crust on the outside. Okay. So Mm. we have that online at foodschmooze.org. At this time of year, that screams delicious to me. It's like a celebration of this minute. We could actually use a celebration of this minute, right? Sure. Um, And it's, I don't know, ushering in what's new, even though it's traditional. So this year I'm asking myself, what is New Year's all about? I'm looking at you. Deep. What is it? You know, is it the time when we make promises? Uh Fresh Um, start. Is it about, it's about fresh start. It's about the deep thinking Mm -hmm. for a lot of people, Mm -hmm. a review review and a... Look forward. Remembrances. Yeah. yeah. Look forward, look yeah. back. Great. Old Lang Syne. Exactly. Old Lang Syne. Yeah. yeah. You know, what do the Buddhists say? There's always change, the mm-hmm. start of a new year. Yeah. They say there's a self, and yet there's also not having a self. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you want to go deep. Glance back, look forward. Yes. Right. Those two things coexisting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. You know, can we hold mm-hmm. two opposite things in our minds at the mm-hmm. same time? Yes, we can. Some people say that's genius. I think it's, well, it's ordinary. For some people, I think. Anyway, so we have our Prosecco, thanks to Mark. So here's to Happy here's to life. Here's Cheers. to eating beef tenderloin if you can. <laughs> <Salute>. <laughs> um, maybe helping somebody who has very little. Yeah, yeah? that's always, okay. good. That's always um, good. And for me, drinking the best champagne I can afford. Yes. 
<laughs> even if it's Prosecco, because I love Prosecco. Okay, my beloved people, this is your turn. So, Robin, what are you thinking about for uh, your New Year's meal? Anything special or just, you know, regular stuff going out to Chinese restaurant? Well, it's a, a good opportunity to have Mexican, too. I love, we start off the New Year with these homemade chips from nice. our favorite Mexican place, Mexicali Rose in Newtown. It's famous for their chips and their burritos. So, really? yes, that's how we start. Nice. Yeah. And with um, a burrito? You start with a burrito. <laughs> Do you order like a whole chips, yeah. salsa, yep. guacamole? Yep. That sounds so good the to me. Thing. But we also do, there have been years where we've had Chinese too. But this is to say that it's not a big cooking holiday for me. It's more like we're getting our family together. We're going to have a game night and have a little champagne after. See, nice. I, like, I like how this started. Yeah. Instead of something that where you, you're just sweating because you think, uh-oh, I really have to step up. I love that you started with that. I can't start the year with any stress. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Okay, Mark, how about you? Oh. What is it? You said you like... I like to be a little lavish on, on New Year's Eve. I like to, to kick it up a notch and, and do a lot of little different things. So, so you're like, the small plate guy. I'm the small plate guy. I like to have a little jamón ibérico. And think about my friends that I have in Spain. So can you just explain, there are people who don't know what jamón iberico is, so can you? So jamón iberico comes from the iberico hams, the pigs, that are in a certain area of Spain that only eat acorns. Mm. That's all they eat. So they gorge themselves on these. In the forest, right? They run. In the forest, yep. And they're wild, right? So they have to have a certain amount of acreage that they run free, and it's just from the oak trees, the the oak acorns. And so they get this wonderful lean fat to them Mm. that absolutely melts melts in your mouth Mm. and is so delicious. It's so amazing. It is the the best hamon in the world. Yes. And when Super I go expensive, to, but um, it's really I know, delicious. I, know. So I go to Olia. Olia. In Olia. Olia. In the Spanish they restaurant. Have it, right? And they have it. I go to the bar and I mm. have a few slices of that and I think, how lucky yeah. to have a source for this. You know, so you're buying it to bring home. That's a great thing too. Yeah. So I'll and have so that. Then, and then, then what do you do? Then I have to have a little seafood. And so for my friends that I know in the New England area, I'll get some Nantucket Bay scallops and Ooh, saute yeah. those up. We'll have some empanadas for our friends in Argentina. Oh, so you make your own empanadas. We make our own, yep. (gasps) Very impressive. And so then, you do a lot of these small plates, you and Mary, yeah. and the kids are around? The kids or is this all grown adults, yep. Yeah. No, this is the and family how, with the kids and the cousins and whoever's available to gather. And do your kids eat all this food, too? Oh, yeah. They like all this stuff. They love it. And what, what are you drinking? What's your drink of choice on New Year's? Well, I like to start with the most expensive <laughs> champagne that I can buy. And then uh, that you can, can I, buy that I can afford, afford. <laughs> not that I can buy that I can afford. Um, the big I love champagne, and oh, but I I'll, I'll drink prosecco, and then uh, we'll be on to some rosé this year because we absolutely love rosé, mm-hmm. and that trend is incredible. And then you'll have champagne at the end, or no? My my wife is a big port fan. She <gasps> loves oh, a little tawny port, so end. we'll finish off with that usually. Mm, okay, I like to keep Mama happy. happy wife happy life that's it okay chris so you sir are in the restaurant yeah i'm working but every year i take home from the restaurant alaskan king crab legs oh and i sit watch the ball drop 
and I have either Prosecco or Champagne. And I don't know. It's something about the crab legs, the taste of the sea. Again, it's a little lavish, but I get the big ones. They're like two pounds per leg. Wow. They're huge. So I, you only need like a half a leg. <laughs> Just yeah, nibble right? it with a little cocktail sauce. Absolute heaven. Oh, I love it. Chris introduced me to these Alaskan king crab, crab legs. Yeah. I had never had them. I just mm-hmm. I wasn't interested in them. And he brought them in and I the thought ones. this is strange. Yes. Yeah. Go to a seafood place, right? Gulf shrimp is the one I get in plant in wow. And let me tell you, he gets the largest ones and they're so good. So stunning. Mm. I was so excited by the the tastes yeah. that you Tastes gave like me that I went to Joe's in Miami, of course. Joe Stone, yeah, Stone Crab, Crab. Oh, yeah. and ordered the giant ones. Yeah, yeah. It was so incredible. I mean, yeah. everybody at the table had a like, different wow. take on yeah. it. Somebody wanted Russian. Somebody yeah. else wanted mm. Alaskan. Yeah, sure, sure. I think all I, different kinds. But they were all, all gigantic yeah. and phenomenal. That is really yep. fun. And that's Do you know that be. even at places like... Whole Foods, mm-hmm. they're them. loaded with them. I think that's getting to be a tradition too. My family has a tradition, and it's that English pudding. Do you know what that is? Sure. I've never been a fan of it, but when the you said coffee, yeah, but my parents still do it at midnight. They light it right. It's a steamed pudding. They soak it with brandy, and then they light it on fire it's and delicious. bring it bring it in with whipped cream. And you sit in the living room and watch the ball drop. Again, not my favorite, but I always think about that because it's a childhood memory. Because every year my parents have one. They light it on fire as the ball drops, and that's how they end the night. So I'm Scotch, and the tradition in Scotland, I was there one New Year's to meet my relatives that I'd, I'd met my grandmother for the first time and all these cousins. And I learned then that the tradition of my people is that if a redhead crosses your door on New Year's Eve, you will have luck for the entire rest of the year. Oh. And I thought, Ooh, I think about New Year's and all these cultures that have these things that if it happens on New Year's, you're, you're guaranteed luck. It's wow. a sign of such hope in people, yeah. I think. Yeah. Does she I have like to be one. a natural redhead? <laughs> can it be, you know? You can be a... Okay. Yeah. You can be a... I have some highlights. I'm feeling really good right now. Like, <laughs> you know, it'd be kind of fun to open this up. Because we'd love to communicate with you. Mm -hmm. On Facebook, the address is Faith Middleton Fuchmoos. Would you tell us what is your tradition on New Year's Eve? We don't care if it's old school or new school, if it's tiny, tiny. Chinese food or Mexican food or whatever it is. Or that you love not to do anything. I've certainly had a year or two where I thought, I'm not going anywhere. (laughs) I'm going to (laughs) watch reruns of Law & Order. You know, I mean, it's like that. It would be so fun to hear from you about what it is you think about. Or if the new year, the start of the new year, means something to you in a certain way. Well, happy 2019, everybody. Yeah. Yeah, you okay. too. Love you to death. Thank you for 2018, you by the way. <laughs> no, me too, everybody. Uh, we're on Connecticut Public Radio Thursdays at 3 and 9 and Saturdays at noon. Weekdays, please listen for my 60-second food schmoozes and never eat more than you can lift. There's a trend. In New Haven, I'm Faith Middleton.
Hey, don't want the party to end? Well, neither do we. Talk with us anytime online at foodschmooze.org.